You're listening to Upside Down Podcast. This is Lindsay Wallace. And I'm Kayla Craig. I'm Patricia Taylor. And I'm Elisa Molina. Upside Down Podcast is an ecumenical conversation at the intersection of justice, spirituality, and culture. And we've created this space with you in mind. So join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Welcome to Upside Down Podcast. I'm Elisa Molina, and I'm your host for today's episode. Show notes can be found on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast. And I want to give a quick shout out to our growing Patreon community. We are so excited every time we get a message, and it just makes our day to find that there's a community here willing to support us and keep us free of ads. Um, We are going to be starting our January book study for uh, any Patreon at any level pretty soon. So if you want in on that, be sure to head on over to patreon.com slash upside down podcast or upside down podcast.com and click give. And that's the place where you'll be able to find out all about how to join in the book study. Mm-hmm. I am joined today by Kayla Craig. Hey, Kayla. Hey, good to be here. Patricia Taylor, better known to us as our Patty. Patty. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And Lindsay Wallace. Hey, guys. Today, I'm really, really excited to be able to kind of uh, lead this discussion. Um, you may remember that back in September, at the beginning of this season, season five, we shared our intention to spend kind of this year getting back to some of the basics. We wanted to wrestle with some of the things that form kind of the foundations of just the human experience. and. Um, In the fall, we did a lot of really, we had a lot of very life-giving conversations, especially for for me. I found that so many of them in a time that were really, really hard, it was really, um, it was really like balm to my heart to be talking about the things that really I I did need. Um, We talked about everything from the necessity of life to the necessity of beauty. And then most recently, um, I just got to listen in actually today to the episode that Lindsay did on the necessity of grieving 2020. And so that was a bonus episode. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to take it in, it's it's just a really – it made me – there were a lot of little ahas. It was a very short episode, but there was a lot of little ahas that I felt like, whoa, maybe this is something that I need to sit down and and talk to my husband and, and talk to my kids about what are the things that we need to grieve about 2020. Um, and so for this episode, we felt like it might be just uh, kind of a great – place at the beginning of this year to talk about one of those necessities that we all kind of just have to or find ourselves consistently trying to kind of fight for, and that is the necessity of hope. So I wanted to start off this episode by asking you guys just to give me kind of your own definition of of what that word means, hope, or what it is to you. Mm. I always go first, so I'm not going to go first. (laughs) (laughs) But then you started talking, so you know. (laughs) I mean, I don't. I don't know that I. I don't know that I have a definition. I mean, I do in my head. I don't know if I can formulate it right now. But what my first thought when you said hope was clinging to. Like that's where I feel like, uh, like I've been, you know, like just clinging to hope, and um, that I think of the hope that we have in Christ. I think of faith, and I think of the opportunity to believe in something even when we don't see it, and uh, to believe in the best in people, to believe in ourselves. Um, and and sometimes there's just not a lot, or it feels like there's not a lot <laughs> of hope to go around. But I'm reminded that all we need is a little bit, and yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna cling to that. Yeah, I think hope is the audacity to believe in and um, fight for God's dream of shalom in the world. Mm. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You better put that on a I know. shareable graphic. And <laughs> I'm going to say I'm ready. I'm ready to like quote you, quotable. <laughs> and that was just a sentence. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> boom, drop the mic. I've been I've been ready for this moment. Here's what hope. I know. <laughs> okay, next question. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree, Patty. It's something that I feel like I'm stubborn in. I use that a lot. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to fuel my Enneagram eight energy into being stubborn for the right things, stubborn in hope. Um I think of Hebrews 11, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and mm-hmm. assurance about what we do not see. Um, and I think that just like we're all saying the same thing. And then the like English major um, part of me, I always think of uh, Emily Dickinson poem, Hope is the Thing with Feathers, um, mm. because I think it's just such a poetic way to say say the Define the undefinable in some way. Hope is the thing with others. I love, Kayla, that you said stubborn for the things we need to be stubborn about, right? It, it almost feels like <laughs> yeah. hope has to be about something that's good. You know what I mean? It, it necessitates that right. idea that mm-hmm. like, we hope for the things that, that are good bring goodness into the world or justice um, or mercy. Mm-hmm. They, we don't just mm-hmm. hope for, you know, random, random things. I think hope... Hope um, requires that we kind of uh, have lofty dreams and lofty ideals. Um, in preparing for this, I I found this quote that I really really loved, um, and it turns out that it's from a restorative justice activist. Um, I don't want to butcher her name, but I think it's Marami Kaba, um, and. The quote says, I always tell people, for me, hope doesn't preclude feeling sadness or frustration or anger or any other emotion that makes total sense. Hope isn't an emotion. You know, hope is not optimism. She's famously said that hope is a discipline. It's a commitment to the future that must manifest as action. That discipline matters most when it is hardest and when the stakes are the highest. Hmm. And I think I love this quote because it just kind of, it kind of points to this idea that hope is not like a passive thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of like oh, love yeah. isn't, like love isn't mm-hmm. passive. And it's really not easy. Like to love our neighbor, um, yeah, to love our neighbor. I was working on the um I was working working on the newsletter that we send out to Patreons and one of the one of the links that one I think it was you Kayla. Actually, it might have been two of you who who shared it to Slack. It was a it was a piece written by Shannon Evans, one of the former hosts, and mm-hmm. she was just she was just talking about proximity and all the things that we really really uh that we really care about and there was a quote in there by a priest and it is just stuck with me. And he said something like, um, you say you love the poor, name them. And Mm -hmm. for me, I just was like, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, talking about the things that I care about. Um, the things that keep me up at night. Like, I think that was one of the questions you guys asked me early on what keeps you up at night. Um, and it's easy for me to be like, this is what everybody else should be doing and not really think about like, how am I living out like the love of neighbor? Mm-hmm. Like who are the neighbors? Like name them, Lisa, if you love your neighbor, name them. And so when I think about mm-hmm. this hope, I think this isn't like, this is a, this is an action. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not navel gazing. It's not just like twiddling your thumbs being like, Oh, I hope so. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, there, there's an activeness and that doesn't necessarily mean like you're all, we're always working towards something, but there is this like, yeah, regenerative process. I don't know. Right. I wonder, um, I wonder if hope for us, I've been also thinking about this in preparation, like is hope for believers different? You know what I mean? Like we're Christian. So how do how does our faith influence our hope? Does it influence our hope? Do you feel? Well, Patty, you kind of talked about this a little bit that hope meant to you, hope mm-hmm. in Christ. I think that we as believers know that we can 
have hope in something greater than ourselves because of our relationship. And to not have that relationship with with the Lord, it's, you know, it's, you're hoping in, in things that are tangible, that are, you know, here today, gone tomorrow, and things that change, and people who are, you know, not dependable. And I think it's just, there's... There's a confident assurance there, even even when it's still like <laughs> fighting for it and being stubborn, you know, in it and clinging to it. There's still like that assurance there that that we can have that that hope in the one who created us and who created all things. And and I think that that's just like I'm, I'm just even in like the the hardest, darkest, most challenging situations. I just have this thing in me that just says, you know. I'm grateful though, at least that I do have this relationship with the Lord because I can't even, it's hard as it is. I can't even imagine if I was doing this without my faith where it is, you know? And so I think that that just kind of ties back to what you're asking, at least, you know, from where I sit is that it's, it's so much bigger than ourselves. And, and that's something that we can, we can put a real hope in and it doesn't all fall into things that can fall away. Um, easily. Right. Yeah. I think this isn't necessarily an answer to your question, but I, I've been trying to, since we've talked about this episode and having this conversation, I've been trying to pull apart, like, what's the difference between saying I have faith and I have Mm. hope. And, and for me, I'm have, I've had a really difficult time and I'd be curious to hear how you guys might differentiate the two, but like, I've had a difficult time pulling those apart and, even not using those words interchangeably as I've thought through, like, how does my faith um, influence my hope and how does having hope influence my faith? Because I feel like one in the same to me mm. when I, when I sit with it. Okay. So this is like crazy timing, but this is how things like always work. Right. And my husband, Johnny, who shout out edit some of these episodes, but he's a pastor <laughs> and um, starting in Advent, our church committed to just going through the lectionary instead of doing like different sermon series. Um, and that's like a real relinquish of control for like the Protestant church in America to just say, you know, we're just going to follow kind of the church calendar and like lean into more liturgical seasons. Um, And, you know, you don't get to pick the passages that you're preaching from, right? Like you just have to trust the Lord in some way. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, this past Sunday's message was about hope. And so I, I have like an excerpt that if you guys are okay, I'm going to read because I think it speaks, Lindsay, to your question. And we didn't talk about you bringing up that faith and hope kind of element. Um, But okay, so I'm just going to read it. And then maybe it'll just add more questions instead of answers, (laughs) which are very well good. good, um, Like a good conversation should. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That's kind of our thing on Upside Down Podcast. More questions than answers. I think that's okay. Okay, so this is what he said. I think that in our world today, we're filled with people who have either walked away from their faith because the miracles and victories never came for them, or people who still keep the faith but have learned to make their own victories and miracles, not through the power of God, but the power of affluence and influence. And I understand both of those responses. I understand how a faith built on a big victory will inevitably crumble. And I also understand that using the resources I have at my disposal to make the life I want and call it God's plan for me. And I understand both of those reactions because both are connected to something I want so desperately too: certainty. Uh, and then he talks about how um, he said that pastors... Picking and choosing passages and sermon series is like turning on the tap and choosing to f- the flow and the temperature, and that the lectionary was more like drawing from a well. 
And he says, uh, we love the certainty of turning on a faucet and water appearing at the correct temperature and volume, but that is not a natural thing for water to do. It requires all sorts of artificial systems to do that, pumps and pipes and heating mechanisms. And if we were promised running water time and time again, but the faucet never produced, we could either decide that the faucet story was a lie or we could create a system of pipes and pumps and heaters for ourselves and then rejoice over the miracle of the faucet. But the miracle was never the certainty of the faucet. It was the water. To draw from a well is an act of hope. In a drought, you may receive a very different result than in a time of an abundance of rain. We go to the well not with certainty of what we will receive, but in hope of provision. Hope produces the miracle, and the miracle in turn turn produces hope. We long for certainty, for precisely measured outcomes, but there's no hope where we find certainty. Hope exists in a different place altogether. That was, come on, Pastor Johnny. I know. (laughs) Listen, that's the episode that I try to listen. I mean, the sermon I try to listen to. And then my internet (laughs) picked me off of Facebook. See, I'm going to go back and find it. (laughs) That is so good. That that certainty stuff and that affluence and what? I was like, Mm -hmm. this is a word. Johnny, what? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is so, that is so right. And that is so real. Um, Because I think, I think going kind of back to what Lindsay said, both hope and faith and love, those, those in the Catholic church are called the theological virtues. So those are like the ones, like the big ones. Those are the big gifts that that God bestows on Mm. us. Right. And Mm. um, those are things that you cannot see like they're not tangible things um and they're the hardest to kind of concretely give to somebody but those three things like faith hope and love they kind of animate us and then we go out and we do all the things that we that that we need to do but but he's right like when things aren't concrete and they're not like there's no certainty involved. It's really hard to trust in whatever that thing is. Um, and it takes a little bit of divine imagination and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of trust, especially when you're looking around and you live in this time right now when, um, things are still super hard, right? I don't think any of the four of us were those people that were like 2021, it's just all gonna. Be, it's all gonna be. It's all gonna be better. It's all gonna be fixed. Twenty twenty one. Like we kind of knew, right? We kind of knew that it was like, yeah, like, um, twenty twenty one. Like twenty twenty. Kind of just for a lot of people, just kind of exposed, uh, the reality of what life is in general and. Yeah. Um, it's going to continue to be hard and we're going to continue to have our heart broken and um, yeah, be heartbroken. It just, I mean, I'm heartbroken today still in 2021 in January um, there mm-hmm. today alone, there were things to have my heart broken over um, that are in the same vein and the, on the same kind of path as where, where I feel like a lot of the heartbreak came from. And so hope is absolutely like the name of this, the name of this episode is like, it is absolutely a necessity moving into 2021 that we have this, um, stubborn hope as Kayla called it. Well, I think hope feels really risky, right? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just feels risky to put yourself out there and to claim I'm going to be stubborn about this hope. I'm going to have this rebellious, foolish, audacious hope, you know, that, um, that's not always going to be like this, that, that like heaven is going to come to earth and that God's dream for Shalom is actually going to come to pass. It just feels foolish and risky to say out loud. Um, but you know, yeah, but I think, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the mysterious part about it, like the, the well part is I don't know how not to. Right. <laughs> like mm. I I mm-hmm. I don't 
I mean, I've, I don't know how to not have hope. And I've stood in places where it just feels stupid. Like it just feels stupid to continue to hope. Mm -hmm. And yet I can't, I don't know how to not, I don't know how to stop hoping. Like, I don't know how to stop believing in that dream for Shalom. And I I don't want to, but in the face of different circumstances, situations, it's like, man, this just feels real dumb. Yeah. <laughs> real dumb. Yeah. I think that that reminds me of like the expression, um, we'll prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Like always got under my skin. And I could never really like pinpoint why, but just hearing this correlation to hope and divine imagination. It's like, if you're always preparing for the worst, then how can you have space to hope for, like, how can you like do both? Like, how can, I'm going to prepare for the worst, but at the same time, I'm, I'm hoping with this like vast and grand and, and sometimes feels super dumb. (laughs) Like, you know, um, this, this desire to see something that, that is not actually happening yet, that divine imagination, and I think that that is just something that um, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's just playing it safe, which I'm super tempted to do, especially, you know, I think, like you just said, just coming out of this season for a lot of us, like, oh, well, I just want to play it safe. And I don't want to be blindsided again by just so much of what, you know, we've gone through. But, but then is that flattening what hope yeah, is, right. you know, like, <laughs> that's just kind of like taking the power out of hoping if you, you know, and hope, hope Mm. opens you up for disappointment is what it is. And, and that's hard to know that you could, whatever it is that you're hoping for could be disappointment. But I think in the end, one of the things that believers know is that like the ultimate, the ultimate victory over suffering and sin and injustice and, everything that hurts so bad that doesn't have the last word in the end and and that is the hope that's the ultimate hope that we're that we're um that we're going towards i wanted to talk for just a minute about i'm i'm reading this book by pope francis and it's called um dare to dream and he's he's talking about like he's talking about covid-19 but he and like what, what, how COVID-19 has kind of exposed uh, a lot of, he, he calls them just, he calls them like there's viruses like this all over all the time, but um, we just don't recognize them because they don't affect us like hunger and poverty and wars that destroy lives like over and over. And um, so he calls them, he says that there's pandemics all the time that we don't that we don't pay attention to. And Mm -hmm. he wants us, he wants us to use COVID-19 as, uh, like our, our moment, like our Noah moment is what he, what he calls it. Um, and he says that the Noah story in Genesis is not just about how God offered a path out of destruction, but about all that followed the regeneration of human society meant to return to respecting limits curbing the reckless pursuit of wealth and power, looking out for the poor and those living on the edges. The introduction of Sabbath and the Jubilee moments of recovery and reparation, forgiving debts and restoring relationships were key to regeneration, giving time for the earth to bounce back, for the poor to find fresh hope, for people to find their souls again. This is the grace available to us now, the light in the midst of our tribulation. So he's adamant that this can be our time to grow in the ways that we must. Like, even though I I know that we all know that we're still kind of stuck in the like, are you like today I went on an errand and I was like, how are these many people when not wearing masks? Like, what is even happening right now? You know what I mean? I know that a lot of us know that the the reality is, is that we we're not out of the woods, but I was curious to find to ask each of you like some concrete either people or places where you see coming out of this really hard 2020, but really a 2020 that unmasked a lot of things that needed to be unmasked for a lot of people, um, where you're seeing acts of hope, like the things, the work that's being done, you're like, Mm -hmm. that is hopeful work. Oh my gosh. It gives me, it gives you know, breath to my lungs. Where are some places for you guys? 
So in the city where the police murdered Brianna Taylor, our um, city council gave the police department a raise at the end of 2020. And um, since then, what has happened is people like you and me have decided they're not going to sit by and allow for that to happen. And so they have started um, declaring that they're going to run for city council. And so there are activists and um, live streamers and just, you know, regular neighbors who are stepping up and saying, I'm taking your seat to the city council members who voted to give our police a raise. And that gives me a lot of hope. And, you know, a lot of them, they're younger than me. They're people of color. They're women. They are... Uh, truly representative of what our community, what our city actually is. Um, mm-hmm. And so that just gives me hope, you know, that people are like, no, I, I can be a city council member. Like, why do you have to have that seat? I can take that from you. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that change while much, much, much slower than anybody would like it to be, um, you know, like it feels hopeful, like they're, there can be changes at a systemic level that trickle down in the right way to real people. Mm. So I have a couple things. I love this question because it's a good challenge, especially for those of us that skew maybe a little more cynical (laughs) because there (laughs) is hope all around us. You know, I think that's even in like Shannon Martin and her Instagram profile. She's like, hope is alive. You know, can you feel it? Something like that. And I, I love that. Because it is, and I feel like it's the world and us as humans, like, pulling, like, distracting us from the hope that exists in us and around us every day. You know what I mean? Like, that hope is always there. Um, So, like, on a micro level, my kids' hope give me hope. Um, We you know, prayed a lot more together as a family during Advent for the first time we ever have. And hearing their hopeful, earnest prayers in some way hurt me a little bit because it was like, gosh, they just don't even know how hard this world is in some ways. And then another thing it was like, but also they're teaching me to, they haven't yet learned the cynicism that I have learned and I can learn how to unlearn that cynicism. It's very meta, (laughs) but it it is true, you know? Um, And so I love their, their audacity to hope and it's not foolish and it's not stupid and Mm -hmm. it's, it's true. And it is, you know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And that wasn't like a one-off thing. Like our kids can understand God better than we can because we forget to see it. We forget to see God in ourselves and in our neighbors and in our world all the time. And so that's really their, their belief um, that things will get better and that we can make a change. And, you know, when we talk about hard things, like they haven't lost their hope and that helps me not lose mine. Um, and then just like somebody that I've watched see like work in this year um, is Terrence Lester and his work with Love Beyond Walls. So cool just to see and like that has gained like national momentum. Um, and I think like over 20 cities across the nation, they are like building these sinks um, for people that are displaced and don't have a home. Um, and it's just really beautiful to, to see that happen. Um, and a lot of people were seeing kind of like the dark, like the, the ugliness of humanity. It's really cool to see that like hope. Um, of humanity too. So I think I had another thing, but I've already talked too long. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. I'm going to link to all the stuff. So people are like, yeah. <laughs> Oh goodness. Um, actually my, my first thought was, was my kids. Um, mm-hmm. They, they go back to remote learning tomorrow and just the way, like, I don't know, you know something, but sometimes someone says it out loud and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And my, my mom and stepdad live with us. And my mom said today, you know, the girls is, is going on a year almost of, of them being home. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, like it, that's wow. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. And they were playing outside. We've had nice weather this week. Sorry, Iowa and other people, but um, we've had really nice weather. (laughs) And they, it just, there was a moment where it was their imagination that gave me hope. Um, Mm. I just don't feel like I dream enough. I don't have a a very, I'm, I'm not the fun one in the family, you know, (laughs) I'm not the fun parent. I'm like, I'm the stick in the mud. I'm, I'm not the one that makes everyone laugh. And, and they set up, um, like just these, you know, little outdoor like mats that we have and they got an umbrella and hats and they said they were at the beach and they were just like sitting outside in our driveway, in our driveway. And they're, (laughs) they had their slippers out. They had their flip flops. Like they had, they had a bucket and it was just the cutest thing. But I was like, you know, they're like, (laughs) they're just dreaming and having fun and, and being so giggly and laughing. And they took their little Lunchables out there and they're like, Oh mom, we're at the beach. Oh, like we're relaxing. This is our chill spot. And I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And and it just was, it it really did like fill me up with so much hope that they, um, that they're still young and they're still uh, having this imagination and fun. And I just don't want like to, shield them too much you know where they like miss the reality but then i still want them to be kids mm-hmm. you know and 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 even mm-hmm. and just be kids in this like really hard time and and so um and then the other thing i'm gonna take a page from kayla um, but just <laughs> the thing that we are you know recording even though i know that um listeners will will you know hear it later is the the senate runoff happening in georgia where i live and the way that people have continued to fuel momentum to vote um, in this special election has been really hopeful. Um, We don't know the outcome is too early (laughs) um, to tell, but I just remember reading like just, I don't know, a random comment on Facebook or something probably when someone was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, people probably aren't going to like show up and, you know, and early voting just again, like just smash that idea to pieces, you know, and just seeing um, just what, our county is doing and just people showing up and still being like, Hey, like we know this is one way to make my voice heard, but it is important (laughs) and not just for one election, you know, but for all of them, the ones that, that, that matter locally and with our Senate and not just the one big election in November. Um, And so it's just been really, really giving me a lot of hope to see people posting on their feeds today on their timelines. Like I went out there and like encouraging other people to get out there and, and that's been, you know, hopefully there'll be more good news coming soon. You can't call it for us, Patty. Come on. I wish. <laughs> I wish. I know. <laughs> let me get out. Hold on. Like, let me, let me it's going to be like political expert. It's going to be breaking um, news. Breaking news. <laughs> right. Out of the Upside Down podcast like a week late. Um, I think, you know, I think this time last year, I did not have the access. And, you know, I'm sure part of it was me not doing like me not actively searching harder than I was. I felt like I was searching pretty hard, but I have so much more access to people of color. The work, the extraordinary work of people of color that has nothing to do with like justice work or like fixing systemic racism and terrible, like, problems when it comes to like, you know, education and housing and all that. I I still, I still have lots of people that I follow and I learn from in those circles. But like, I think what 2020 did was it, it made so many more people, like their voice was shared more in circles that I, I guess had exposure to or whatever. But like, what I mean by this is like, there are so many like artists and musicians and like, uh, shop owners. Like I think during Christmas time, like I bought off of this Latina that has this little shop that sells like, it's like the cutest stuff, but I just like, I felt like before I did there, no matter how much I tried to search or look for um, like a variety in my life of just goodness and gifts and talents and all that. I either didn't look well enough or it wasn't as easy to find. But I, I, what gives me so much hope is that there are so many gifted 
brilliant, beautiful people, and they all bring so much to the table. And I'm able to kind of sit at the feet and marvel at so many different creatives and authors and and musicians. And it just, for me, it's hopeful that the space is widening, that there are, and within the, like within the Catholic media spheres, spheres, this has been something that has been like totally blown my world is because like, I probably knew like two black Catholics before January, 2020. Mm. Um, and that was because I knew them like personally, like they were friends of mine, right? They're friends of mine. But now like this connect, Activity that has has said, you know, like um, these are the and so for 2021, I just feel like I get to cultivate these connections with folks that just bring so much beauty and goodness and hope and variety and all that to my life. And, and not in a way, like, I hope I don't sound like, you know, in a way where it's just like, oh, I'm going to have, make sure that I have this corner of the world uh, in my life and this, like everything's represented. No, it's just as like one of my friends says, it just organically developed. I don't know, but it just, it kind of just, it landed kind of in my, in my, in my lap where I'm like, I just have this like wealth of beauty and I'm so hopeful and I'm so grateful that I've figured out how to, how to make these connections to this, to these wonderful folks. Mm. In that same book, um, that I'm reading, um, one of the things that Pope Francis talks about is the need to like not disconnect um, from the suffering of this time and not to hide from reality, not to pretend reality isn't there. And he talks about like ways that people escape and that these ways block our growth and also block the action of the Holy Spirit working within us. Um he names narcissism, discouragement, and pessimism as the things that can take root in our hearts and like paralyze us, like freeze us. And I know for me, um, the discouragement part aspect of like that litany that he talked about, um, like that's a real thing. Like if I, like, it's a real thing. I can get discouraged and then I can be like, well, that's it. I hate everyone and every thing and I'm going to hide under my blanket and the world is like over like that. You know, I'm also really like extra. So that's part of that. But like, I can, I can get, I can get, I can get, I can get discouraged to the point where I feel paralyzed. Are there ways that Mm -hmm. you guys like personally fight off those feelings of like being paralyzed by discouragement? I think for me, it goes back to, trying to have time in some way in my loud, wild, chaotic life of quiet um, and quieting my thoughts because my brain is always going at like 50,000 miles an hour and um, I have a lot of anxieties. And so being able to take time, whether that's like in a shower, (laughs) if that's my only option, um, or, you know, early in the morning or late at night, a a time of stillness in some way where I put my phone away, I turn off my computer, I'm not talking to anybody, which is, if you know me, a real struggle. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just, just having time of quiet and trying to hear God instead of just hearing my own voice. Um, and, and that kind of helps me stay rooted and, and whether that is leading to journaling or just quiet time of, you know, kind of meditation and prayer. Um, that's something that I found is grounding and I, I can feel it in myself when I haven't done that in a while. I think for me, uh, I would say being in relationship with elders who have lived through, um, you know, things that I haven't and have maintained hope, um, who maybe themselves have, you know, found themselves in places of despair and really feel like God saw them through that. And so they now have that, this like contagious hope, you know, that, that you look at and you're like, how did you survive that situation? How did you, um, 
Like, how are you still here? How are you still believing? You know, Um, spending time with those folks, um, especially in like places where it's for me personally um, easy to fall into pessimism. Uh, Yeah, I think they sort of like mentor me in that, you know, in how how do we stay hopeful in this situation that is seemingly hopeless? Lindsay, I don't, I don't want to like co-opt what you said, but I think it's really good. And I feel like it's adjacent to something I've been thinking about how it's like easy for me and my white privilege and my white fragility to be like, well, that's it. I'm completely hopeless now. You know what I mean? And then it's like, I look at the black church and I'm like, wow, I need to go take another shower. Like things are not right because you know, it's so true. Like I see a lot of like, white you know christians that are justice minded and they're all like everything is bad i guess god is fake you know all of this stuff and like you know we all have our highs and lows and that's fine and normal and what it is to be human but it's a little bit like you need to step out of the lens that you're viewing life in in. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah your your fragility is showing yeah Mm-hmm. And mine, mine, mine does too, which is why I'm saying yeah. I need those, I need those relationships yeah. and, those, and those reminders too. Um, right. Yeah. To like put me in my place in a, in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just Daddy's thinking about <laughs> no, 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 I really, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. I promise. No, um, <laughs> Oh, I was just gonna be like, get him, Caleb. But no, um, <laughs> for real, I, I just, I, you, I, you know, for me, I think it's kind of a twofold thing. I think what you both said, like, I completely <laughs> like can relate to. Um, but I think just allowing others to see me, like, allowing others in when I'm in that place, um, mm-hmm. because for for better or worse, and and there's a lot to unpack there that we don't have time to do but you know just being viewed as like the strong one whether because you know being a strong black woman or just the strong person in the family or the Mm -hmm. you know the one that Mm -hmm. carries that whatever strength mantle then when I am feeling discouraged and down it's like well I don't want anyone to see me like this because you know I can't like be the strong one anymore Mm -hmm. so I think like allowing people in so that I can accept help, you know, and, and so I can like let people see that like really, really vulnerable, like I need, you know, I need someone to encourage me out of this situation in the way that mm-hmm. I've encouraged others out of the situation, like to be able to say that and admit that um, is something that I'm like getting better at, but it's something that I'm definitely working in, but that's helpful. Like whenever I, I am open in that way. I'm like, this is so helpful, but it just doesn't come easy, you know? So, mm-hmm. and then I think just focusing not on myself. Uh, I just, if I can just find a way to, maybe it's my two-wing, um, but if I can just help someone else and show up for someone else, and I'm like, it's okay, because I, I got to help that person, yeah. you know? So I got to get up and, and kind of shake it off a little bit because this other person, you know, I can be there for them. You're such a good friend in that way too, Patty. Like you really minister to people in that way. Yeah. And I like, amen to all of the, like being the strong one and like needing to like Mm -hmm. sit with that for myself and be like, Oh, you know, what is it about me that like, you know, that's a whole other. (laughs) Yeah. Necessity of vulnerability. Yeah, we need <laughs> we need our girl Brene to come on on that one. Oh <laughs> but to that point, I do think um, like that's the feeling, that's the benefit that I get from being around people who are different than me and who have had different experiences than I have. Right, like to be the outsider and to be um, like to be in situations where I don't have the experience. Yes, oh. Yeah forces me to put myself under the leadership of someone who knows more than me because they've mm-hmm. lived right. something mm-hmm. that I have. But that learned. is so counterintuitive. So, yeah. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. But I On think, lots of levels. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think like that's one of the benefits that like, I don't know, we talk about um, 
being in a relationship with people who are different than us sort of nebulously and like kumbaya ish <laughs> and yeah. um and it will really strip things from you that you didn't even know you needed just to be stripped away and that is one of them that like I'm the strong one I have all the answers I'm here to save you and rescue you and fix the yeah. things when you put yourself under the leadership of in relationship with um and I'm not just for you but I'm here with you that type of relationship mm. like you will you very quickly get brought to your knees because you realize you have lived experience that I don't have and I have to follow you because my survival depends on it and like my humanity depends on it like you've got to lead mm. me to places that I don't know how to get to by myself right mm. yeah. so that's like it's just a, a benefit of that type of relationship that um you get stripped of that whether just, you like it or not <laughs> you yeah. do and then you realize like this is the most beautiful like I wouldn't trade this for the world yeah. like you couldn't pay me to give this up you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. um but it is so counterintuitive and so convincing people of the beauty and the joy and the hope that comes from that place I, I feel like I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing that, trying to convince people, yeah. please because <laughs> let go of that affluence that Johnny talked about and that, mm -hmm. or let go of that because what is waiting for you? Right. Like, man, you just have no idea. Wow. I feel like this is going to lead to some good conversations. This, this, this I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I feel like my yeah. wheels are yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave us kind of with my answer to this because, um, yeah, I think it's a, a good place to end. Because you're the yeah, host and, and I can do that. On. Yeah. <laughs> you run this, you Lisa. Final word. <laughs> word. Um, okay. So I think that the way that I um, can fight, like I, I fight to be hopeful and fight off discouragement is kind of to, to find joy and to find joy in, in, in the little things and the little committing to the like small actions that I can do kind of in my corner of the world, you know, in, in the sowing of hope and the sowing of justice around me. Um, because I think sometimes like the world's problems seem so big and I can get overwhelmed. And if I, if I stay small, if I stay local close to me and the mm -hmm. small and the smallness. So it's kind of like a both and thing. Like I feel like I can hold on to my hope when I stay small and concrete and the things that are uh within my reach, the people that I'm in proximity to and in relationship to. Um but also with my eye always in in the larger, bigger, um more kind of final place those it's kind of like the 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 little and the big and and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um in December my um y'all know that my my grandmother passed away and I was fortunate enough to be um I was fortunate enough to be by her bedside for um several hours the day that she that she died and um one of one of my my online friends the other day, uh, Patty Breen on Instagram, she, she wrote this out and it, it really spoke to kind of what I felt that day. Um, she said, Celtic spirituality speaks of a term called thin places, a place where the boundary between earth and heaven is especially thin. So much so you can feel it. The distance between heaven and earth collapses and we're able to catch a glimpse of the divine. Um, and she's talking about being in that space, um, with her dad right now. And when, when I read that, I just thought about that day, um, where I kind of was witness to this eternal hope, you know, there's, there's the hope of the daily hope and the daily grind, but at least sitting next to my grandmother and then my grandfather was there also. So he was holding on to her. Um, Aww. yeah. And they, they've been, they were married, um, uh, a long, long time. Um, and so, and so to watch, to watch, I mean, to be there in that minute and to, in that moment mm -hmm. and just watch 
where our hope lies and to, and to feel confident that that is where what my grandmother was about to experience that day. It just, Mm. it, it keeps me ever since then, I've just kind of mulled over this idea that yes, it is my, it is my job to be involved, invested, to get up, you know, every time I get down and, um, and do these little things, um, and to know how valuable I am in these spaces and in these times, but always, always with the, with the knowledge that, 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 thin veil will eventually it'll be me and it'll be my my Mm. turn um so yeah I'm just I'm grateful for all of it I'm grateful for the the little chances but I also am really grateful that we have a savior that said here's the big picture for everyone um for all Mm -hmm. of us Mm -hmm. uh, no matter who we are yeah so yeah amen 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 Mm Oh, that was good. I gotta get. I gotta get like back in the podcast world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I really truly loved this episode. I told you all when we started recording before we started recording that I'm on my bed and I might fall asleep, and and now I'm all like hopped up on hope. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we hope that those of you who are listening, um, that there's just something that you can mull over, take away, talk to a friend send us a message. Um, We're here. We love hearing from you. And we hope that this just is one more kind of gift in your spiritual toolbox um, as we go into 2021. So before we go, we have to say that one of the best things you can do to support us, um, obviously, we really are only here because of your financial support, which Elisa mentioned through Patreon. But one of the other things that you can really do that's free 99 to support the show is just go to Apple Podcasts and leave a starred rating and just like a super quick one minute written review. Thank you so much to all of you who have done that. It means so much to us. Every time you share in your Instagram stories, every time you just share with a friend or tag us and something. All of that really matters. The podcast market is really full, which is awesome, but it also makes it really hard to get our podcast out there. So thank you so much for listening, for being in community with us. You can learn more at UpsideDownPodcast.com and we're Upside Down Podcast on Instagram. And you're always welcome to join our Upside Down Together listener group on Facebook to process through the episodes with the lens of God's upside down kingdom. Until next time, I'm Kayla. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. New episodes are released on the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. The Upside Down Podcast is created by Lindsay Wallace, Kayla Craig, Elisa Molina, and Gina Siliberto. Our show notes are written by Lana Smith. Johnny Craig and Tess Malone edit the episodes, and our theme music is Dreamers Act by DJ Sean P. And of course, our monthly patrons make everything possible.